Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review, glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, one of my personal heroes, someone I feel so honored to talk to, Uber producer and overall inspiring human being, Sherry Salata. I first found out who Sherry was watching my favorite unscripted show ever, season 25, Oprah Behind the Scenes, one of the first shows on the OWN Network years ago. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you have definitely heard me talk about this because I am obsessed with that show. Sherry spent 21 years with Oprah. It's a lot of time. Executive producing the show for the last five years. Of course, she oversaw that epic last season. She shares some good behind the scenes stuff from working with Oprah, the ups and downs of one of the most challenging shows to ever produce. Sounds really overwhelming. We also talk about her fabulous new book, The Beautiful No. It's currently the number one new release on Amazon. Really good read. Highly encourage you all to read it. It's all about how she ended up on the journey she's on now. She also does a great podcast called The Sherry and Nancy Show. And trust me, you want to start binging that from day one, first episode. Hi. Hi. This is very exciting. I know. I've been wanting to meet you for a while in person. And I feel like I know you because I read your book and I'm binged on about 500 podcasts that you've done. So, and <laughs> Yes, I'm, you know me then. It's all done. Right? Open book. You're out there. Is that weird for you now that you're out there? Because you were always sort of the behind the scenes I person. I totally was. <laughs> I will say this, though. And this also helped me with the book. Doing a podcast. You know, my, my co-host is one of my best friends of 30 years. And... I, I think that once you start, you know, conversing, I'm just chatting with a friend. And next thing no, I know, I'm spilling the beans all over the place. <laughs> so and then I go, wow, it's kind of healing. It's kind of healing. So There's nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. Everything comes out in the light. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, then I'm reading emails from listeners who are like, oh, I feel so much better. And I thought, well, isn't that good? Yeah. Everybody I mean- gets healed. Real, seriously. I mean, it's kind of ironic because you spent a lot of your career sort of behind that person yes, yes. who was all about healing other people and inspiring right. other people. And, and, and laying out her stuff in and front of the world. Her stuff and yeah. here you are kind of doing it and like doing yeah. it. It's such an inspiration, especially for women of a certain age. Right. Won't reveal mine, but I could relate to a lot. And it you was, really won't reveal your age. Well, we could talk about that off okay. mic. It's, I want to. When I Actually, when you were sort of out and proud about your age, I felt like, yeah. that's really cool. Um, but I still have hangups about it. Not with friends or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no, but no, no. In an industry. You know, yes. It's a shallow industry. Time will, um, yes, that, that comes in its own time. But yeah, I, I guess maybe, did I ever, that really wasn't one of my things. Okay. I have other things. That wasn't one <laughs> of them. I was always cool with that part. Yeah. Yeah. So what, let's start with the book because that, that does relate to sort of where you were in your life. Yeah. Um, what, what inspired The Beautiful No? And what is The Beautiful No? Well, The Beautiful No, that title story is about how I got the job at the Oprah show. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, many people have thought that, um, who, who thought about it at all, um, were like, oh, you must've gotten a TV degree in college and, and out you went right into that rarefied air and nothing could be further from the truth. I was 35 years old getting an entry level promo producer position. Um, you know, and when I started at the Oprah show and right before it, I had gotten a devastating rejection for a big job that I was up for that quite frankly, I really needed. I was out of money. I couldn't pay my rent. I'd been freelancing, which I sucked at, (laughs) you know, which I call dialing for dollars. Hello, (laughs) please give me some work. I beg you. Um, I like doing the work. I just didn't like selling myself. Yeah. And, I call it the monkey on the tree. You're uh, just trying to go from branch to branch, oh, like no. get a branch to survive. Yes. And when people are good at it, they're so good at it. And I was so bad. And I really, really needed that big job. And um, all my eggs were in the basket. All my hopes were, were in it. And I'd had such a great interview and he practically hired me in the room. So when I got the letter from HR a week later, whenever that came and, and it was basically saying, I'm sorry, we have nothing for you at this time. It about broke me and maybe it did. 
I mean, maybe maybe someday I'm going to get to the other side and I'm going to see that it it released me of some sort of um, trying too hard because all of a sudden I was just in a sprawl on my couch <laughs> watching soap operas. I'm sure like eating all kinds of crap and and just broke, broken. You know, I was just done. And it was shortly after that where um, I got the message on my answering machine that, you know, hey, this is so-and-so from the Oprah show. Would you come in and freelance? And I didn't put it together then. But years later, when I was really on that career ride of my dreams, it became very clear that, oh, my God, if that guy would have hired me, I never would have taken a chance. I, I would have uh, that security. I would never have given it up to to try the Oprah show thing. And I realized that no was really beautiful. Like that was such a beautiful no in my life that changed everything. And then I started to see that there was more than one of those. And that we almost are in co-creation with a divine intelligence, however you define it. And it's and it's a game of quantum bumper cars almost <laughs> where we're, like we're hitting these walls and, and upset and devastated and heartbroken, but they're bouncing us to something to our real dream, to what we really want. It's so hard to see it when you're in it though, isn't it? Yes. Oh, please. Is it hard now? Or do you have that faith now when you're up against an obstacle? Like, okay, this is an opportunity. I just have to recognize right. it. Well, now when something doesn't work out the way I'd hoped it would, I mean, I do, I'm human. So I have that sting <laughs> for a minute, but, but the commitment I've made to myself once, once I put this all together, this beautiful, no spiritual theory, um, what, what I, I said to myself is, I don't want to lose any more time being heartbroken and, and disappointed when it's not necessary. I, I, want, I want to be able to walk that talk. So as soon as possible, I just try to focus myself to, to some key thoughts, which are, it will reveal itself to me. It's going to be super exciting to see what, where, where the bumper card ride was, is taking me to. And that um, I think... It's my friend, Dr. Laura Berman, that that says, what's for you will never get past you. And I was like, and, and I believe it. So when am I going to when am I going to act like I do? So that was this, the inspiration for the book was really that you realized. I mean, we'll get into your amazing career with Oprah, et cetera. But when you stepped down yeah. from all of that, you said, hey, I've just spent my life catering to everybody else, taking yes. care of everyone else, but I forgot myself in the process. Yeah, and and it isn't even like I forgot myself and, and I was really generally too busy. It was that I used all that as right. an excuse to go unconscious about other areas of my life because I wasn't as good at it. You know, I could get an A in school fairly effortlessly and I could do well in, in my jobs, in, in any job I had. I would devote myself to like being the best and, you know, yeah, I, you know, I continue to, to like, I, I, little learnings pop up for me, like, you know, needing to be validated, needing, needing that sense of accomplishment. Um, it's, it all comes back to, to love. There's a big love piece there, but, um, yeah, I mean, um, you said you stopped dreaming at a certain point. Like you just, it yeah. was just like, oh, I'm 54. I'm washed up. Who cares what I have to say? Yeah. Well, well, here's what, what I realized is that of a certain generation. So if you're in the middle of life, which I call forties, fifties, sixties and beyond that you have, there, there's some rooted beliefs that we might not even be aware of about what's possible for our lives. And so I was running a television network and I, I was outside of the last freaking demo that advertisers care about, you know, and, and I was like that, that I found that terribly ironic that at 55, I was, I was really not even, I was not even in the demo, you know, for, and, and, and running this network. So, and I realized too, that, you know, I'm, I was raised by a woman who never w put herself first probably carried heaps of resentment for that and did what culturally she thought was the right thing to do, which ultimately was being the 24 hour a day servant of our family. And so you've got to kind of, 
you, you have to have an awareness that those are the messages you've heard. You know, somehow that that could be tapped into your 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 DNA and you've got to make some really deliberate choices to do something different. So um, when when I set out on my own, 56 years old and finally like, okay, what is my truth here? And there were lots of them had the career of my dreams, not the life of my dreams. If I am in the middle of life, what am I going to do about it? What what are my dreams? Like, what is the life of my dreams? You know, we, we might not have sat down to daydream since we were in college thinking about what we were going to be. And that is a, that is a, 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 not only a spiritual practice, but it, that is a, that is a manifestation practice. Like what, what is the life of your dream, Sherry? What is it? You haven't thought about that for a while. What is it? And, and taking the time to figure that out. That's and what were those, what were the general sort of pillars, which we'll get to, yes. later. but what were those things? What were the things that needed to be realized? Well, I started right away foundationally with health and wellness. And I want to give a shout out to my business partner and co-host Nancy Halla, because we, we worked on this together. So health and wellness, it's like, okay, have you made that a priority? Hell no. And what does that mean? And, and so then I, I stirred the dream pot like, well, I want to be fit. I want to feel healthy. Uh, and and, I, and I, I, I want wellness medicine. I want to know that I'm, I'm on the wellness path. And so then I kind of began to define practices for that and continue to. This is an ongoing process. Yeah, that's important to, to know. And that's why I love your podcast is like you're, you're just constantly searching out new things and new people yeah. and new. And I'm like that, too. I love just taking it all in. I yes. think that's part of it. But back to that for a second, because I thought was interesting in the book, you talked about, you know, when you worked with Oprah for that many years, you know, of all the people, obviously, if, if you were going to be on the cutting edge of any new diet, of any new fad, of any new weight loss thing, that's where you were going to get it. So you had access to all this stuff, but you kind of said like, I don't want to, I want a gimmick. I want something that's going to work for me. Yeah. And like, how did you go about figuring that out? Because it feels like even the things that might work for you might be, feel like gimmicks. Right. All right. So, so I am a big program gal. Yeah. Give me a program right, like and I will, uh, I will take the program. Well, I like the, I like the motivating quality of it. I mean, it's like, a program. I'll start on Monday. Now, it, there's also lots of sabotage in that thinking, lots of failure rooted in that thinking, because it's almost like you're, you're just saying the words to make yourself feel better in the moment. So where where I've come out and where we've come out as we've, you know, talked about it week after week is, and, and having produced every expert in the planet, at a certain point, you have to become the expert of your own life. And so here, here's the, the, the guidance system, my guiding principles that, that I'm, I'm tweaking, that I'm inhabiting now. I hear information now, and if it resonates with me, I might sample it, add it to my daily routine, my weekly routine, my thought process. And if I see it, 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 it reaps benefits for me personally, then it becomes part of my personal recipe for that life of my dreams. If it doesn't, I discard it and I move on. And how much time do you give it to take hold? Um, I, it, well, that's, Just, that's a good question. You know question. what I mean? Because I don't know that I have a, a set thing. Okay. Here, here's, here's what's different than before though. Okay. I pay attention. Mm. Like, like how, how it feels, how it resonates, how I'm responding to it. Is this real? You know, there, there's something that we, we talked about recently on the podcast and it was something to do with keto. Yes. I'm, I bought the book and, um, you know, so I'm, I'm circling around it, but, but here's what I'm doing differently. 10 years ago, I would have followed it to the letter for four days. I would have yes. not deviated in any form. I would have bought all the paraphernalia and then have discarded it. Instead, what I'm doing with with that, and that's Donner, Dr. Anna Kaveka's yeah, book. Yeah, it's called The Hormone Fix. And yes. It's, um, it's, it's actually like kind it's of changed amazing. my life in two weeks. Yeah, she's super great. Yeah, and I'm and, the same. I'm not by the letter with it either. Yes, but, it's like I read yeah. it and I say, and even, you know, she's coaching me up a little bit. She does some supplement stuff for me and things okay. like that. 
and um, I've gotten to know her and I have been very clear with her. I am not just going to put your program on like a suit of clothes like I used to do, but I'm going to sample things. There might be some intermittent fasting that I'll do. I'm definitely leading to into more greens and I can see, you know, here's here's the truth. What's hard is I don't eat meat. So then I want like grains out the wazoo. Right. Well, I can't eat them yes. in my middle 50s right. and lose weight. Isn't it interesting? And what about sugar? Like for me, that's made the biggest difference in how I feel right now. Yeah, you can't have sugar. Uh, and I'm I'm still missing it because I'm really new yeah. in this whole thing. But yeah. it's, it's, it's But like, everything it's is sugar. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And like, okay, so I'm on a book tour right now, yeah. right? This is a really... This is the this is this is where I struggle a little bit, right? Because I'm on a plane, and I yeah, want a bloody no, mary. Right. <laughs> I'm in a hotel, you know. I don't have my stuff with right. me, and I, you know, I don't really have time to run to like the nearest Whole Foods and and gather my supplies. And when I don't do that, then I'm into the bread, and the cheese, and the, all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, I don't feel as good. Yeah. And the wellness part was in, I mean, sorry, the fitness part was interesting because um, your partner, Nancy, got into Orange Theory and that kind of worked yeah. for her. And you sort of came to the fact like, I'm going to do the stuff that I enjoy, right? not kill myself where I'm miserable. Right. I really like this approach. So talk about kind of now what's working for you, what you found through your journey and what's working for you now. Well, my old way was all or nothing. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm training for half marathons and or I'm doing absolutely zero. <laughs> I'm talking about yoga 24 seven, but I never actually get on a mat um, like like many as is my way. And it's like, you know, I really one of these days I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro and thinking about it, I'm thinking is a substitute for actually physical movement. Um, so now, um, and I realize all that is self-sabotage. I have, you know, it's all about, you know, saying things that are, you know, making it so outlandish that you're never going to achieve it. And then you can be like, well, you know, that's not going to work anyway. So instead it's all the little things. Sean Korn was on our podcast and said, well, Sherry, if you want a yoga practice, put a mat under your bed and do 10 to 15 minutes of sun salutations. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, Sean Korn says that's a practice. You know, it's a little practice. And, but I'm like, okay, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it. Okay. And then um, I found like, I, I do need a, for strength training. Um, I found uh, in Napa Valley, this wonderful trainer, Casey, Casey Miller. Hi, Casey. <laughs> and, and she's super careful to make sure I don't hurt myself. And, and I, it, there's a, that little bit of structure and that feels really good, but it's not, you know, I'm not trying to be Khloe Kardashian, you know, with <laughs> the four, good five hour workouts yeah. a day. Oh my God. Yeah. But she really did a nice transformation there. She, it's it's kind of mind boggling, but that's it's, it's story. crazy yeah, how good it's, she looks. It's crazy. I mean, really, I, 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 yeah. I'll big, huge shout out to her. Um, and just little things, you know, like the, that's the thing, what I see that, that, you know, if I can look back and say, you know, how I could have tweaked, um, like understanding that a walk after dinner is such a powerful personal practice, but I would have dismissed that as a big waste of time. But think about the walk after dinner, what you're moving, you're, you're, and you're connecting outside with nature. So it's spiritual, it's physical, you know, it's good for your digestive tract. It's good in a million ways. But I just would have written that off as a big nothing. Right. How was that productive? You know, exactly. Yeah. If I if I hadn't like burned a thousand calories, I wasn't interested. And then and then that all or nothing think kind of thinking, I, I would end up with nothing. Yeah. Lots of times. Yeah. No, I think it's a great lesson for people to take away. So the one of the other pillars was the love department. Yes. Something that you romance s- and sex. Romance and sex. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I will say. That I'm super open now yeah. in a way that I wasn't. And why were you closed off before? Because I wasn't good at it. You know, I would always, I would, I would choose the wrong men uh, that were not the right match for me, you know, unavailable, emotionally unavailable. You know, I really, and, 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 and it's not really about them. It's about me. And it's about that, that healing love piece that must be done or you're just going to keep, as Ayanla Van Zandt would say, it's the same, a different pair of pants, you know, but it's the same thing over right. and over and over again. And after a while, it was like, this is, I'm hurting myself. 
this, it's frustrating and I'm hurting myself and I just don't want to hurt myself anymore. And I don't totally trust myself in this arena that I'm not going to do something that's just like not good for me. So, but I'm really good at work. Right. So, Stick to what so you're that, good at. yeah. So that's kind of how all those eggs end up going in, into that basket because lots of validation, lots of approval, lots of external accolades. So I'm just going to stay in this arena. Meanwhile, I know that the full and complete dream life, the life of my dreams, does have that frosting on it. And so, you know, I, I you know, I've talked to, I've had many sessions with Dr. Laura Berman and others and a Bella Gandhi of Smart Dating Academy in Chicago, who's awesome, is a big proponent of online dating, as is Ariel Ford. And I listen to them with open ears. And I know that a lot of our listeners have taken their advice. It's not for me. Yeah, I remember you said that. I think it's not in, for either me. in the book or the podcast. What? Why? Why? I mean, how else I don't are you going like to meet? Dates. But how else are you going to meet I someone? Don't know. I, 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 do, I really honestly don't. I think... When you are really, when your barriers are down and when you have solved that love piece, it doesn't even matter. I I mean, I I feel like that can materialize on your doorstep. I feel like it's going to happen this year and that's going to be your next book. (laughs) It's going to be your EP. I think so. Right. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I could see that. It might, it might've, it might be in the brew right now. I honestly will tell you. Oh my God. I know. I'm getting excited for you. I know. All right. So then another big piece of spirituality and you've always been spiritual. Um, Where are you right now with that? And do you still meditate every day? Yes. Okay. Yes. I meditate every day when I'm really knocking it out of the park. It's twice a day because I'm I'm a transcendental meditation meditator, but there's a million kinds of online meditations one can try. It is the path. It is the way. And, and for me, um, I am, I, my, my, my path, my, what I listen to, um, my, my teacher is Abraham Hicks. And that really is the most consistent, easiest, life-changing stuff. Yeah. I need to check him out. Cause you mentioned him many times in the yeah. book and I thought this guy has got a lot to offer. Yes. <laughs> I need to check it out. Yes. And, um, okay. So here's the thing. This is what I kept thinking to myself. Um, and I don't even know if you know the answer, but you're living this, your best life now, right? You've got, you've sort of tackling all of these pillars. You have your own company with Nancy. You've got yeah. a podcast. You mean, you've got freedom. You're running your own life. Right. And is it possible to live your best life if you have an office job. All right. Yes, it is. And I'm going to say I would I would that is not a phrase I would use. I would I don't know that I'm living my best life. I know that I am committed to living the life of my dreams. Okay. And that continues to unfold like like um it changes. It is a living breathing thing. And that's where I always made a mistake. Like I would sit there on January 1st and I would write the categories and goals. And then, you know, it's like if I didn't hit it, it was all a big waste. And now I realize, oh, like I, I like every day I wake up, I'm kind of changed. And then it's like considering like, what is what are my dreams here? What do I most want here? What feels really good to me here? It's kind of a more active process than I ever suspected. You know, yeah, no, I, I get that part. I guess, I guess I'm thinking super practically, right? Like, but practically, how I could, yeah, like, so, are you going for that dinner walk after dinner when you're working till nine o'clock at night, right? Yeah, so I look back at my time when I worked those enormous amount of hours and had a very limited availability. And if, and if you would say, could you have done this then? And the answer is yes. It just would have been different practices at different times. But the hours I wasn't working were not devoted to self-care, my friend. <laughs> right. They were devoted they to were like boozing and boozing and, and eating and, you know, like <laughs> and smoking cigarettes at the time. You know, all the things that I used to relieve stress or mindlessly watching TV that wasn't even good, like wasn't even a good scripted <laughs> binge. It just was like noise in the room. It was... um. It was really uh, unmonitored, unhealthy, and really unsatisfying. But I would just try to, you know, pull it together and get ready to go back in and do it again. 
Okay. That's good. Cause I kept yep. thinking that cause now I've left an office job and thinking like, God, my days are so different in the best way where I, I feel like so good. I right? can design them and yeah. I can, you know, right. and I thought, I don't know if I could, and I agree with you. I think it takes a different form, but I do think there is something to the freedom to design every day in the way that you want to do it. Yes. You know, it's well, a, it's a luxury. It feels like a, a, a big, huge, you know, fantastical change and I see younger women women in their 20s and 30s who are just like yeah I'm gonna work for myself and I'm like god I, I'm I'm so I so admire and applaud that I didn't I wouldn't have had the courage for that and listen my, I would have gotten no support for that have been like you get get to an <laughs> office and get yourself a paycheck girl yeah but yeah I mean you can come home and meditate you can make a salad you can you can, you know, put a treadmill in your house or you can do a, you know, everything's available. Everything's on YouTube. You can do your yoga practice right in your living room. I mean, you can, you can make your off time so devoted to the things that feel good to you and you really can take care of yourself no matter what. Yes. And you should listen to Sherry and Nancy's podcast because you guys, it's very inspirational every <laughs> week. Well, you guys are on hiatus for a little while. Yeah, now, we're right? going to yeah. take a little break in the summer, but, but there's plenty to binge to, on. Oh, yeah. man, there's like a hundred episodes now. And yeah. if you go back to episode one, Nancy was, had moved into my house. I know that was amazing. She moved into my house for 14 months. I love it. And we did like, like we just jammed on this. Yeah. I love it. Is she the one doing the cooking videos on your website? Yes. Okay. I was like, the voice sounds yes, like her. Yes, that's but... Nancy. Okay. So yes, on at thepillarlife.com, she did, oh, I think there's maybe six or seven episodes. It was season one. And we shot it in my old kitchen in Los Angeles. And uh, she's a fantastic plant-based cook. And it, they're it. really good. Yeah. And her recipes are great. I was looking at the big salad yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to love a big salad. Um, okay. So let's, so the reason I originally reached out to you is because I, as you know, obsessed with Oprah and obsessed with the first show on OWN, which was the behind the scenes of the 25th year. Yes. And that's where I first like even knew your name, right? Because most, as we know, producers are not usually, yes. you, you don't know their names. We're forgotten. We're for, the forgotten <laughs> We're people. So yeah, that I brought up that show in more meetings than I can count. And I've actually brought it up in the podcast a lot too. So it's become a, a joke of sorts just because it's like, oh, she's going to talk about Oprah's 25th year again. Because I am a huge fan of how the donuts are made and seeing that yes. behind the scenes stuff. Like I, I right. get that that's not for everybody, but love inside baseball Me too. stuff. Yeah, I just, it was so, you know, like any scene where Oprah didn't have makeup on, it was just like you guys like on the couch, just brainstorming. I was like, show me more. I want, I want 24 seven cam of everything going on. Yes. And also the cool thing about it was that it was the last season. So you guys were trying to top yourself on every episode and it was sort of like the first show launching own or one of the first, it was a bunch of shows yeah. that launched own. So it was sort of like had this dual purpose, which was really right. interesting. Was it weird for you, first of all, to be on camera or did you just forget about the cameras? Because obviously producers, we don't usually like to be on camera. So what, yeah. was, what was that experience like? Well, oh, golly jeepers. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember why were we, we were doing it because because of Oprah's deal with the affiliates for the Oprah Winfrey show. I mean, obviously they were paying a lot of money for the show show that she couldn't do something similar on her on her new network so but what she could do was a behind the scenes of the Oprah show so that's how it happened and yeah it was weird I mean the first couple days like the staff would show up and I'm like do you have a full face of makeup on <laughs> like everybody is like like we're like a bunch of painted ladies that's hilarious um, was usually, there a glam squad usually no there wasn't okay. a glam squad but we, usually we would you know just walk around and right. like whatever <laughs> unless it was your show You're like day. why aren't you wearing sweatpants yeah you were like in sweats with your hair in a ponytail and glasses That's so hilarious um and and also i think you know it was such a a high level team 
and everybody was super savvy that nobody was super well maybe there was one or two people i'm thinking of now who <laughs> who were so who loved it but most people were like oh god right you know and nobody wanted everybody's like what's in this episode did they get one when, when that happened or you know like if oprah were to say well i didn't care for that show you'd just like cringe you know that your family's gonna watch right. behind the scenes and, and see that so th- those moments were tough so yeah it was it was super odd it was going on and then it would be we had a wonderful wonderful company and and producers producing that it was true right but that yeah but they were reality people right so it become like sherry can we sit down and do interviews with you right and i'm like sure like we're gonna need about eight hours i'm like well you've got 40 minutes You've got 40 minutes. This is how it works in our world. And and we'd sit down and they'd be like, yeah. last right. Tuesday, going right. you were so upset. And I go, no, I wasn't. And I, I don't, don't remember, remember that. Exactly. And I will not be speaking about that. That's hilarious. Tell me, tell me what I'm connecting here. Yeah. Right. You can't outproduce the producer. No. And then my family would be like, you know, and it was all done, all in the can. And they're watching. And they're like, could you wear some lipstick tomorrow? <laughs> And I'm like, Mom, it's all done. That's, yeah. that's me. We're, it's over. There it is. Take it or leave <laughs> it. I can't go back and put lipstick on. That's hilarious. I knew one of your producers, Lee Costelli. Yes. Yeah, she worked with me in Philly. And then she basically moved to Chicago to work for Oprah. It was her dream. Aww, and she's a sweetheart. That's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think she's still in Chicago. Yeah, is she? I think so. I don't she know. We're be. Facebook friends. I should, should see what's up. Um, so, okay. So there's obviously we could do a 10 hours on the Oprah show. So I'll try to distill it to a Did few. Did you ever want to work there? You know, it, I didn't want to live in Chicago. I went to graduate school at Northwestern and I went to undergrad in Rochester um, so I was so cold by the time I left yes. Chicago that I thought if Oprah was anywhere else, Oprah was like my, my, in my yearbook quote or whatever, I was voted like most likely to become the white Oprah or some stupid <laughs> thing or whatever. Like it was always since yes. high school, like she was the one, the guiding light, the guiding light. So I could not suck up the weather part, but absolutely a hundred percent. That would have been my dream. Yeah. Like, like I live vicariously through anyone who did. So that was, that was the big, that was really the only big TV game in town. Right. I mean, for growing up point. in Chicago. Yeah. So, um, and I think in many ways, the show thrived because it was in Chicago and not LA or New York. hundred percent. I think it would have been a different, you know, a different thing. And what was so amazing is, you know, every star on the planet would come to Chicago to launch their right. thing. Right. You know, it was so interesting. So what, you were there how many years total? Almost 21. Oh my God. And That's so, a long time. and then the last five were, you were EP, right? Of the show. The last the- five years of the Oprah show, I was the EP. Right which that is the hardest job right. on the planet. So why is it the hardest job on the planet? Oh my gosh. I mean, other well, than the obvious reasons, <laughs> like for the uninformed. Yes. It's, it's, it, well, you know, they're by that. How big is this? First of all, you're managing how many people? It was big. It was, it was big. It was huge. We had like 10 teams. Of oh my God. Six, seven. I mean, every show was, had become a primetime special right. by that time. It was a beast. And we were doing um, five and six shows a week. And it was, it was like, it was like, I'm trying to think of how I could describe it. If you were throwing six super high-end weddings with 400 guests twice a day. Oh my God. You know, where, you you know, and and it's all the whole thing, the menu, the flowers, the music, that this, it was really, it was really, really hard. Now, did you have this thing where every single time you thought, I can't do this, I can't do this, or did you like, I got it, I got it? Like, cause that would be me. I would be the one twice a week, every time going, I can't do this. I can't do this. Even though I would do it, I would still think I couldn't do it again. Well, I didn't spend a lot of time as a show producer and, and I, I, I did some book club shows and then I was the supervisor script supervisor where I worked on all the shows, but I always thought that show producer job, um, I mean, once I was EP, right, it but, was like, but still it was the, just, bu- the it buck was stopped just with you though. Me, yeah. And, and the level of responsibility right. we all felt to <laughs> Oprah and to like, you know, millions of viewers yeah. worldwide. I mean, it was super crazy. Um, but, you know, the show producers ultimately had to come up with, you know, show ideas that resonated with Oprah and she had done everything. That was the thing. Right. What else could you do? So they would pitch to you first and then you would yeah. kind of vet it. We would usually do our work on our pitches together. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, and I would usually go through that and and do some editing on that. And we would, a couple times a year, we would do big show pitches to Oprah. And then when we needed more shows or something didn't come through or we had a new book or knew this or knew that, we would we would go at the end of a long day and go through some ideas with her. When did something go spectacularly wrong that you can remember? Is there a story yes. where you're like, this is a shit show and I can't get yeah. out of it? And I think it was the first year of my EP <laughs> show. And honestly, it was like somebody just put me in the seat of a 747 <laughs> and put the handles in my hand and I'd never even flown a sandpiper. <laughs> it was it was a behemoth. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, the moving parts to it, this the pace of it, it was you know, just like so physically exhausting. Yeah. And um, we had, somebody had pitched, you know, we were trying to do things a little different, which, you know, that was always risky. <laughs> and there was some sort of all-star reggae band of that had a very touching backstory for sure. But they were literally from the streets of Jamaica. Right. And did not, like, they were a little hard to understand. And, you know, for our viewer, probably not the greatest fit. <laughs> and so I'm in the control room and I can see on all the multiple cameras, I'm looking at Oprah's face. And she's talking to Dean. And it's almost like she's like, if she could have said the words out loud, what the hell is this, Sherry? Oh and sometimes God. she would. She'd talk into her microphone when, and right. knew I could hear it. Right. She'd be like, what is going on here? And <laughs> and as they're going on and they're doing their big performance and it's just falling super flat. Oh, my and, God. And I mean, it's it's not just a little flat. It was it was outrageously Did it air? ill-fitting. Yeah, we might have cut it down to a nub. It was one of those things. We didn't like to break people's hearts. When right. They, when they, they come all the way there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I remember afterwards, there was there was talk. There was big discussions uh, uh, about Sherry that. Sherry was in the doghouse. I know. And, and, you know, and then the team feels so bad. And right. so that, that's one that stands out. But, you know, it was it was such a thing to work for Oprah that even if it was like, hmm, that was okay, you'd be devastated. Yeah, right, right. Of you course, because the really, expectations were so It really high. mattered. Nobody was ever just like, whatever, I don't care right. what you think. <laughs> right. Everybody, like, it was it was a little like that That Oprah liking it mattered maybe a little too much. Yeah, well, yeah. she's Oprah. Yeah. Was the Australia episode, was that the last season? Yeah. That was incredible. That was incredible. Did you walk across that crazy bridge? I did. Okay. <laughs> it was awesome. The Sid the Sydney Harbor Bridge, the big climb. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was really great. That John was Travolta fun. flew the plane? Well, no. Okay. He, he <laughs> didn't he, he didn't fly the plane. He 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 came out and did the big help okay. us do the big surprise for the audience. But that was that was magical. We spent our Christmas break for two and three weeks in in going around the country and I, I think we only did, maybe we got three shows from it. Wow. Wow. I mean, really, three. So how many, that, that, like, I think our show time was maybe 42 minutes. Right, so you got. So 42 minutes times three hours. for that amount of effort. <laughs> right. You're like, it should have been a year special. And we had like 140 shows to do. But listen, yeah. the audience was so sophisticated. They're not going to sit and watch no. Australia for two weeks. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, they're just not going to. I mean, right. you know, the behind the scenes had a field day with it. Did Who was the celebrity you got most starstruck around? Um, was I starstruck? I was over that fairly quickly. Yeah, I was but, but who did I like so much? Yeah, like, like um, we every could be time Tom, Tom Hanks came on the show, he, yeah. he we went to dinner with him, Aww. and he's the best dinner guest ever, a million times over, because he is just as funny and warm and lovely. Um, had dinner a couple times with Julia Roberts, who was so fun, and love her husband Danny Motor, who is just such a regular cool fabulous guy and i'm trying to think um i you know i just had a big healing with dr oz on his show i well, well i heard you talk about it on the tour. podcast yes I, I have to, is it a lot is it online is, is it aired yet yeah it's aired i don't okay. know if it's online i can't okay. watch it that's not going to be something i'm going to be able to watch so you yeah talk about that because you had a weird thing with yes, dr oz because i was a smoking ep <laughs> a smoking diet 
cola. Right. Drinking. You were the devil, basically. Latte. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it was it was so cliche. So you would hide from him. Yeah. He'd come <laughs> into Harpo and I didn't want to get too close to him because I was worried I smelled like cigarette smoke. And so I just waved to him from afar and I would always avoid him. And also, I mean, I had such shame, such shame. So um, when I went on his show, he said, I heard you have a confession. And I was like, yes, Dr. House, I write about it in the book. I'm trying to be a good guest because I remember if you'd be in the control room, like, oh, God, it's not a good guest. <laughs> so I was being animated and I do have a confession to make. And I tell him about it and he goes, wow, Sherry, I thought you didn't like me. Oh, my God. I almost started crying right there. Aww. He goes, I thought you didn't like me. I go, oh, my God. And that has stayed. So we did a healing, but that has stayed with me like, Wow. When we are in shame and we are in, in dark corners with our habits that we're embarrassed of or, or things that we're ashamed of, we have no idea the level of disconnection we're creating in our lives and well, how that's being yeah, led by other I, people. I totally agree. And also that's why I try not to make snap judgments about people if they seem standoffish or if they seem bitchy or whatever, because they could be having a horrible day. They could be shy. Like you just don't know. Oh, that's very wise. Yeah. You that's just don't know what's wise. going on with that's somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> okay. I have a couple of Oprah questions because yeah. I can't help myself. Yeah. Best gift she ever got you. Mm, well, she took all of us. This was my favorite thing for sure. She took all of us, all the employees and their families rented an ocean liner and took us on a two week cruise. We went to Greece. We went to Rome. We went to Istanbul. We, you know, hiked all over. It was really something. And I remember that experience afterwards because I was writing her a thank you note. And what it was, was that kind of experience just opens you to like the possibilities of being a human on the planet in a way that almost nothing else does. And I thought that was really, really amazing. Like everybody, everybody got to, got to go. Um, wow. Yeah. What's her biggest pet peeve? Gum chewing. <laughs> Hates it. Oh yeah. So all of us, cause I like a piece of gum every now and then <laughs> would have to, that was, that was, that was a bristler for her. Yeah. Um, and she also doesn't <laughs> like it when men wear big diamond earrings. Oh, so. totally. Yeah. What, I think you said this in the book, but for everybody listening, um, greatest thing she ever taught you or most meaningful thing she ever taught you. Well, it's, it's a conglomeration of things. I mean, I would say that there were lots of great company benefits. Obviously the insurance was spectacular. <laughs> um, we had a different kind of vacation thing. We got off for hiatuses, not for, you couldn't take a vacation just any old time. Right. And so we planned our lives that way. But the greatest company benefit was being paid to build a spiritual life. And it was, it was in the air. It was, uh, you know, you couldn't do a show without having an intention um, we'd end up sitting in her office talking about, you know, a Gary Zukoff or a Eckhart Tolle book for hours. Um, um, that was that exposure to new ways of thinking about spirituality and your connection to the all of all and how you what the, the language that you could use to connect to that and how to have a real breathing, alive heart beating soul deep spiritual life that's that's what that show gave me yeah that's incredible when you left when when oprah ended and you guys moved to la yeah. to start own i remember thinking at the time this is going to be different <laughs> because first of all you're in la not chicago second of all our business has nothing to do with your business i mean yeah. it's weird in that sense yeah. like that you know you're going to be looking at you know, docu-series stuff. Right. I mean, you also have scripted, obviously, but that's just wasn't what you did at the Oprah show. How big was the learning curve um, when you made that transition? And were you excited about the challenge? Yeah, I mean, Owen had been up and running for, we ended in May, oh, but like six months. Right. And then I, for five years, I went back and forth because oh, wow. Harpo was still going on and there we were producing shows out of Chicago 
for the network. Right. Yeah, it was a huge learning curve. I'm sure Discovery was just blowing a gut every two minutes. <laughs> like, oh, no, now after this incredibly, you know, disastrous and difficult launch, which was really nobody's fault. It's, it was, yeah, it was, to put it was built on, on, on a ton of assumptions that turned out not to be true. Right. And then, you know, and we come with our, you know, we're the Oprah team and we have our way of doing things, none of which was really a good match for the cable biz. Right. And so the learning curve was really high. Um, it's a completely different business. Um, you know, Oprah was not a big fan of reality TV, so right. that was a bit of a sticky wicket. Um, and as it turns out, the thing that that gets ratings in the daytime is crime. Also, not her favorite. You know, isn't that crazy? Not, yeah. And so it was. It was very different. Um, and um, there's the the business of it is um, really kind of front and center. So it was like I, I would say that. My life really was like meetings from the moment I walked in to the moment I walked out. And the worst. Yeah. Because there's no creative. I mean, it's hard to find the creative energy in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say the the pitching process, you know, like like the first bit of it, I was like kind of energized yeah. by it. And then I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. There's no original ideas. It's like, oh, my God, everybody thinks they should be a show. And it'd be like, well, let me see. some. Do you have any papers? Do you have any ideas on a piece of paper? No, I just was, you know, they they bring in some. Sea right. level star, right, quote and they'd be like, you know, we envision this person going around making people's <laughs> lives better and surprising them in a way that's never been done. And I'd want to say, and what way is that, yeah, my friends? Exactly, I've done it. Right, every which way till Sunday. You know, are we yes. God, it's kind of amazing when I still hear that stuff, even now from network execs. Just like God, people are so just amateurish. Like, it's amazing. It's like, oh my God, it's crazy. Please. So wrapping up, yeah, what since it's all about creating the life of your dreams, yeah. what does the life of your dreams look like for the next five, 10 years? Like what are the, what are the things that you like to say? Yes. Well, here's what's so interesting is my new way, you know, it's, it's more like my, from a being place and not like what I'm going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I don't know, that. am I going to do a second book? I'm going to enjoy this book. And I'm looking at this as a year long adventure. Yeah. You know, milk and, it. And yeah. And just, <laughs> going out and chatting with people. And and we should say that the book is the number one new release on Amazon. Yes. Huge. I mean, crazy. Right. It's nice crazy. to do something that actually is a super successful too, yes. isn't it? I mean, it's very doing very nicely. It's amazing. And um, Apple just named it um, a must listen on audio. So I went in a booth yeah, and recorded it. you did the it. whole thing. Was that was exhaust? It? I heard that's exhausting. Oh, it was so fun. Was it? Well, because I do a podcast, right? Now. So you're just used to chatting. Now. Yeah. yeah. If, I, if I hadn't done the podcast, right. it you can hear been your own voice. It a doesn't total freak you PF. <laughs> right. I would have been like, "Oh my god, get get a talent in here! I'm terrible." Can at Oprah this. read this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Oprah, would you mind reading my audiobook for me? Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. Okay, so sorry, that. So no, no, no. So that's really good. But from a being place, yeah. Here's what I'm. I, I, I'm trying to do what I learned at the Oprah Show, but never really was able to accomplish really just trying to be in my divine feminine, you know, not the make it happen, make it happen, make it happen mm. more like, like magnetize, attract, consider, see what happens, kind of see what's, what's lighting me up. Now that I've, I, I've written a book and it's in book form. Now I'm like, okay, I could do that again because I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. It isn't like, how, how am I going to do it? Is it going to be any, you know, I could just kind of sit down and maybe flow something. So maybe I'll do that. Um, we're on a little break right now from our podcast, but you can go start at episode one. It's hilarious. And, <laughs> um, you know, that seems to be a lot of fun. And, you know, people just calling up saying, what will you consider this? Will you try this? That is all good. What I will not do is EP a show for somebody else. God, no. <laughs> I mean, I feel like what you guys are poised to do. I mean, uh, far be please, it for me to tell you please. what to do. But I just feel like there's, it's a real, what I felt just from sort of the website and listening to the podcast and the book is like, you're really about empowering women at the end of the day. Not that that's such a novel concept to say it like that, but I feel like there's a place where it's about, you know, supporting women to do yep. their thing, whatever yes. that is, if it's their own business, if it's yes. their own life, you know, it feels like right. a, like a big community 
Yeah. That uh, and it's and there's something that like the, that woman maybe, that you had on the brand woman. Amy Porterfield. Amy Porterfield. Yeah, I feel like there's some synergy there with you guys yeah. to just I don't know. It feels like it's maybe it's conferences across the country where, yeah. you, you know, I don't we know. We did one event oh, for you 400 okay. women at 1440. We called it Dream Camp. Oh, it was Dream out Camp. of this world. It was so great. I love that. And so I think we'll do another one yes. in 2020. Um, we've gotten some calls about possibly turning the Sherry Nancy show into a TV something. And, and we'll consider that. And it's just kind of like, here's what's really important to me. It is about what feels good. So it's doing what I want to do because, you know. Because you want to do it. for my dreams. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just not going to do a bunch of stuff I don't want to do anymore because, well, it's really good. You should really do it. You know, and I, I just don't feel like that anymore. I just feel like um, I am I am really putting together something that you know, my, my days, you know, my days are mine again. And it isn't like the end results really great. And, but I don't, I'm, I'm just tasking into doing all day long. Like I just put in a huge garden. I'm almost a farmer. It's so big. It's so incredible. And you're going to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to, I have support. I yeah. have a mentorship I like, program. <laughs> I like that idea, but not me doing the work. Edible gardens comes every two weeks. Really? And they're teaching me and mentoring me. And I harvest, I mean, it, well, I, I've harvested one strawberry, so let me not get ahead of myself, but it will be harvesting every week. Amazing. And I'm growing my own crops and I'm doing it because I've never done it. And, and I have this feeling that in this whole health and wellness, trying something new, like really stirring those fires and not getting in a, into a rut, that literally chopping my own vegetables into a nourishing salad is just going to be good for my soul. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. We just moved into a new house and we have all these rose bushes and I went out with my little clippers and I started yeah. arranging them into vases and there was something so nourishing about Way it. Way different yeah. than just going to, just going a to Trader shop. Joe's, yes. <laughs> which is what I normally do. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I agree. Listen, yeah. if you can, li if you can live that yeah. and, and I, I think it's incredible. And I think I maybe always could have, that's yeah. what I'm, yeah. that's my message. Yeah. That, that anyone I can. I could have made time to go to the farmer's market. Yeah. I could have like made Sunday my prep day and gotten yep. my veggies all ready, you know, instead of, you know, nursing a hangover. Listen, it just takes happening. effort. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's just, you're tired sometimes. Like not yeah. you, we all are just, yes. I don't feel yeah. like it. And, and I think that's the story. That's the story. But flipping that story and saying, Oh my God, I'm going to feel so good. Well, that's when the I thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it like changes any, everything. It does. It does. Sherry, you're so inspiring. Thank Yay! you so much for doing this. Oh my this. gosh. Thank you for I having me on. My absolute honor and we pleasure. We finally did it. Yes. Yay! Thank you. Yeah.